Hello and welcome to episode 985 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm live at First Pitch Arizona with my co-hosts, Justin Mason and Jason Collette. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's been quite a weekend. We're back. After a year off, First Pitch Arizona back in full effect. It's been excellent. So many new first-timers, so many new people here. It's been great. Uh, We got a nice crowd on hand here. Just, uh, it's 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 a ballpark count. I can't say for sure, but I'm gonna say yeah. 600 to 700 area, standing uh, room only. I think it was it's at least a thousand. I'm telling you, I'm not good yeah. with these estimations, yeah, so I probably no, went a little low. I understand, uh, but we're gonna dive right in. We got a lot of stuff. Been to panels, been to games, been just talking with folks because some people don't, haven't gone to that many panels. <laughs> anyway, wow, you said it. Um, it's let's true. Start, I'm not, not going to lie. Let's start with some takeaways just from the weekend. Uh, I'm going to start with one of my own real quick. I learned, uh, and, and I think you're going to get deeper on this player later, so we don't have to worry about the first player, but I learned that J.J. Boudet, not so well regarded by scouts, but Cameron Meisner, a, uh, a organizational mate of his on the Marlins as well, might be a better, less hyped, better uh, priced version of him. And then later, the day after, later that day after we learned that, we went and saw Homer from Meisner. So I'm kind of shifting my allegiance. I've been a Blade guy in the past. I'm moving over to Meisner or Misner. I think it's Meisner um, of the Marlins. And Chris Blessing is confirming that it is Meisner. And so if you've been on the Blade train, I bet you could flip him for Meisner plus based on what I'm hearing in terms of the of the stock of the two. Uh, and again, we don't have to go on Blade because I know that you're going to get deeper on, uh, on Blade and where you're at with him. But let me start with Justin. Uh, Cameron Meisner, the game we went to, we saw him there. We saw the home run. Uh, were you sold on, on, on him as somebody to go after over a Blade? I think so. And I think it's more about Blade. And, you know, we can kind of just a little preview, I guess, or, or take a just go ahead and say what I was going to say is like, you know, the reports that we got from the scouts that were here, from the prospect guys that were here, that is that Bidet is, you know, maybe like a regular. And that's not who we thought we were drafting in like the first no. five, six picks of first year player drafts. We thought we were getting potentially, you know, uh, a second or third round pick in a redraft eventually. Mm-hmm. Not a guy that, oh, hey, he might fill up the back of your dynasty draft. So, before and I mean his thing like with 2020 losing all that player development that was a key year also, of development for we've him. also like dynasty players like we've lost a year of information True. and so like strike now on getting rid of those kind of guys before the rest of your league kind of catches up exactly and like, exactly and he's coming up but he's coming up a bad year so it's going to mm-hmm. be hard to to sell high on him but it might be time to sell low because yeah. uh, he's 23 and he's peaked at double a had a disastrous year there not that he can't come out of it he was a highly regarded pick but i think the ceiling has been lowered for sure on jj but meanwhile meisner looking like i said kind of a budget version of him mm-hmm. and we did see him hit a homer so that that instant confirmation bias was nice too it's always good to like confirm exactly what you want to say oh uh, yeah so it, it's great and then ignore any of the, the yeah, warning no. signs and just plow mm-hmm. forward, like I did with Blade yeah, until like this Yusnel year. Like Yusnel Diaz, right? You're like, I st- I'm not out on Yusnel Diaz. And then he hits a home run. And that does why like, I'm not out. I'm not out. <laughs> you know? Uh, Justin, give me, give me a big takeaway you heard. A stat, a take on a player, a strategy, a combo. Give me, give me one big take that you had over the weekend. Um, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm the guy who didn't go all the panels, right? Like, I'm the guy who, But you've had combo. You've been uh, talking with I'll people. I'll tell you, the biggest takeaway is uh, this is a must-do weekend. No, that's like, true. 
Like, I mean, that's just oh, I know. Like everybody, everybody fat. here in the room agrees with me already. But, I think like, we can get one thousand people to agree yeah, to that. Yeah. Yeah. But. Pe- People who are listening to the podcast later on, like, this is something that is well worth doing. Like, when 2022, like, mark your calendars right now because mm-hmm. you should be coming out. And I didn't get to go to – I didn't, I didn't go to every panel, but what I did do was make a lot of relationships and a lot of connections with people in the industry and people not in the industry – uh, and it is well worth every minute uh, and every penny I've spent. Well, as somebody who's been coming out for over a decade now, because I'm old, mm-hmm. I will be 40 next Sunday. Oh, Please Jesus. kill me. Are but you going to retire? I will get to do the Mike Gundy, and I will do it oh, all yeah. the yeah. time for the entire year, 10 times a day. Do you own a polo shirt? Um, <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. Come after me. Uh, I will. But I've learned over that time that there's many different ways to enjoy this conference. You want to go to every panel, absorb all that information, great. You want to go to as many games as possible, see as many prospects, do that. You want to interact with people, just have combos, make friendships, whether it's fully baseball related or a little bit of, uh, you know, just kind of interpersonal, you can do that. There's many different ways to enjoy this weekend. All I know is that you have to be here. It's been excellent getting back together. Big thanks to our folks at Baseball HQ uh, with with Brent and Ray putting it on because they've done an excellent job with it. And uh, yeah, we always advertise it even though we're not asked to. It's just excellent. Jason, bringing it back to a uh, takeaway from the weekend uh, on a player, a stat, a convo. What do you got? Oh, let's see. Um, I didn't even know who was at the plate. My, just a story. Uh, Thursday, we were at the game, and surprise, and somebody was hitting up there, and I was like, I bet you that player's favorite player growing up was Ichiro Suzuki because everything about him looks like that. <laughs> and it That's was, not uh, a bad favorite player. And it was G1 Bay from the Pirates who went and went ahead and homered later that game too. But watching him, and I had no idea who he was, but looking at him, I'm like, the same, it's the Ichiro swing. And then I, you know, we see him, uh, we see him hit. Um, it had a good game, but just looking at the numbers is now that's somebody I came here, watched him play. I'm interested. Now I'm doing homework. And that's always been my favorite part about coming here. Exactly. And learning about new players. Uh, I remember coming here. I literally discovered for myself, not, not like for the industry, but I discovered Brian Dozier. Had no idea who he was. He was kind of a middling prospect, but I watched him. It was one of, it was one of the times I came and I was here for almost the entire week. So I saw four of his games and he showed out put a little star next to him. It's one of those ones that, you know, you put the star, you draft him, and it panned out. It was awesome. Another one that we tell a lot is the uh, the conversation that we're talking. We're talking. We hear the hit off the bat. Who was that? That sound was crazy. It was Austin Riley. We've been fans of his since. He just had his breakout year. He so did you the come entire here. weekend, though, to be oh. fair. Every time we'd have a good point to make, you're getting ready to say, and this guy... And, and then, then boom, you hear the sound, and it. It, it took over the entire stadium. So that's another great thing is just learning different prospects because the AFL is like a finishing school, and there's going to be a lot of prospects that are at the top end. Spencer Torkelson's here, Marco Luciano, plenty of others. But there's also those mid-tier guys that come up, and they contribute, and you learn about the next Brian Dozier. So that's another great reason to come here. And uh, Jiwan Bay might be somebody who's contributing in fantasy down the line. One other takeaway I had that will lead us into our next topic about the draft day was uh, the absolute – dearth of bankable closers holy crap there's like maybe six that i think you could trust right now and again that will lead us into our draft justin and i participated in the Mm -hmm. draft and hold 15 team we did 23 rounds heck of a room very difficult room and then jason you proctored the best ball so we we have takes from both drafts there and what i just said about the bankable closers is going to lead me into my first point about that and that was my Giovanni Gallegos pick. I took him in the third round, 
And uh, you had some critiques for that because then four picks later, you took Rysel Iglesias and you think that was infinitely better. So we're going to state our cases on our guys and we're going to let Jason decide who got the better closer well, what, here. It was like two picks later, right? You yeah, picked, what, you whatever it was. In, in front of me. Uh, yeah, I mean, is Gallegos going to be the guy? Yes, that, that was the worst like part of your argument was this notion. How is that the worst part of my argument? <laughs> who's going to take over for him? Alex Reyes whoever. just walked somebody on the way over here. We I don't know even know wherever, how he's still walking. No, no. Guys. He's not we pitching. know wherever Iglesias signs, he is the guy. He's going to get paid, right? Okay. If, if he ends up back in L.A., if he ends up in the other L.A., if he ends up, Iglesias, uh, he's going to be the is guy. 30. What so. are they saving him for? What if they, They've been fucking around with him his entire career. Like and now they've just I don't fired really, the manager. I don't really think they have been messing with him though, because I think that. Well, I mean, they tried with Reyes and they they did as long as they could. They liked having him as the fireman, but when yeah, they put him exactly. in that closer's role, he was great because he's the best guy there. They're going to put Jordan Hicks in the rotation apparently. So I think just I like think, they were going to put uh, Alex Reyes I know, in the rotation, and then what happened? Alex Reyes matter. became the closer. Like there's. It could be and, and a he was bunch terrible, of different guys. By the way, he, yeah, he, he and it didn't matter. They kept letting and him Jordan do it. Jordan Hicks is it not a matter. very good pitcher. Like, they they Again, have I, a mott like hatred. Shout out no. 0610, 010. I, I promise uh, that's Gallegos. the worst part of your argument, though. It's the idea not, that he's though. not going to have the job. He's 30 years I'm sorry, old. If There's you're going to no take reason. a closer in the third round of a draft, you have to take someone you were guaranteeing getting 35 saves from. I mean, you can't guarantee that with anybody anymore, to be I honest. I mean, as close as you can. I, and I think he's there. I, 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 just, I just I don't understand how you could say he is that I've locked seen in Alex over Reyes guys like Hicks Presley, over guys like Iglesias, over guys like Edwin Diaz, like guys who have proven they can do it over the course of a full season and that the team Man. actually wants them to do it. Last three years, Giovanni Gallegos, 169 innings, nice, 267, 276 ERA, .85 whip, 16% swinging strike rate, 26% I'm not saying the skills aren't great. Rate. But the best skilled so all you're going off of is you don't close. think he's the job. Uh, that, I don't know that he has a job, and I'm not going to invest a third round pick into a guy I don't know that has a job. Nah, that's easy. You don't even know where your guy's playing. I don't. And you're I don't need certain to know. that he's going to be a closer somewhere. I am certain. I don't know that even that that's guaranteed. I I will trust that it is because I. Jason, will... come 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 decide this. Jason, one. who got the better closer? All right. So my thoughts on Iglesias are this. Uh, I thought going into 2021. Uh, he was a tremendous bargain because everybody hated him. Yeah, uh, and the bad 2020. The over the overlooked piece of Iglesias last year was, uh, or 2019, excuse me. He yes. was good in 2020, uh, and I thought he'd be better in 2021. But the overlooked piece was the the Joe Madden piece. Yes, when Joe Madden managed the Rays, they used a different closer every year. But when he found a guy, he stuck with that yeah. guy, whether it was Troy Percival until his arm fell off, or Kyle. Um, Farnsworth? Farnsworth, thank you. Farnsworth, uh, but Those types of guys. And so for me, that's one of the reasons why I wanted Iglesias, because he was clearly the best option in that pen, and if he could stick with it, he would run with it. And I had him in five different leagues last year, and that was fun. Uh, but that factor is removed now. And so until he goes somewhere, I think it's that's that's the missing – that was the big – tiebreaker uh, for these two. But Gallegos has the same problem because we don't know who's going to be calling the, the mm-hmm. picking up the phone there too. It's a push, boys. I'm sorry. I'm That's fine. Honest. I'll take a push. No, I will I'll not take, take a push. push. Because, I, because I knew I didn't lose. This is No, ridiculous. I will absolutely accept a push because I knew I didn't lose. I like Iglesias. I'm not anti-Iglesias. Absolutely I'm just lost. very pro-Gallegos. It's ridiculous. <laughs> let, let, let's ask the crowd. Show of hands, how many people think Gallegos was the better pick in the third round? 
counted 894 out of a thousand yeah that's, that's a walk all right how many how many people here think that iglesias was the right pick Listen, it is overwhelming overwhelming so for iglesias thank you i i appreciate i appreciate it yes Oh, well, then Iglesias is the guy, <laughs> right? There's no chance that that would happen. I don't think there's happening. They don't pay for relievers. Hell, but yeah, I, 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 that I'm not concerned but about. But thank you, Miles, for but making li- that point. Listen, listen. Uh, banter and jokes aside, he's so 30 bad. years old. There's just absolutely like there's not the the arbitration protection and all that. This is their best guy. Reyes showed that he just can't. He just can't stop walking, guys. That's a huge problem. Hicks can't stay healthy. I truly do not see other candidates there, and that's why I think he's on that par with the very few other guys. I think he is the leading candidate for sure. But if, like I said, if I'm using a third-round pick, I want to be damn sure that the I, guy I, I'm We'd be reminded, though, it was just this past year that there was a team that had awesome bullpen options, and it's definitely going to be this guy. And it was the guy that got signed a week before the season started that came in and saved 37 games for that team. Thanks, Padres. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that was Melanson, wasn't it? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. No, and listen. I think the funny thing is is that you're arguing certainty when your guy doesn't even have a team. So, I mean, that's that's cool. He can save for nobody, I guess, uh, and rack up 37 right, saves. take your L. But let's go. Here, I, here. I got a draw. Here. I got no. a draw. The crowd. I got the a crowd, draw, which is a fat is, L for you. The people have spoken, Paul, and once again, they nobody like listens me to and commoners. dislike you. Relax. <laughs> There's a reason we're up here and they're over there. See you, Nick Pollock. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, let's get to the obvious that happened. Uh, with your first pick, you took Cedric Mullins. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, there was this guy in this panel, Carrick yeah. Darty, I think is his name. And, oh, my God, did he have so many bad things to say about Cedric Mullins. And I'm going to be honest. They felt directed at you. Like, this guy seemed to have it out for you. And it's like, it's like okay, you're really good looking, but don't go after my co-host, Derek Cardi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't care how good looking yeah. you are. Dial it down. By the way, best looking guy in the fantasy baseball industry. Uh, not He's a high bar to clear, yeah, but he no, is, I know. But he is a dashing gent. <laughs> Let me say, dashing gent, but yes. you did not pay him a huge compliment with that. Mm, yeah, okay? no, I so know. It's, like, you know, it's you still could, a compliment nonetheless. Fair enough, but he was all over your dude and had nothing good to say. And I pushed him on it and I couldn't move him an inch. So give us the Cedric Mullins. I know you're going to take him in the first round to do a little bit of a statement there. Uh, but I think you still like him in that 15 to 22 pick area. I, I can tell you, I never want to pick 15th again. You didn't like it? I, oh, absolutely not. You took I would that m- pick to spite me. Well, I took that pick because it's the right strategy. So this draft, we draft 23 of the 50 rounds here. And then we draft the next 27, like sometime in January. Yes. And whoever has the last pick. And who usually has that pick? Whoever has Me. the best KDS. Me. Well, that's because you had a better KDS last time. No, it's because I pioneered that, and I want my credit that you stole from me. And you stole my pick, and you didn't even do well with it. I mean, pretty ABC strategy. Your draft was terrible. My draft was amazing. No, we'll get into it later. But Cedric Mullins in the first or early second. Mm -hmm. So a a top, we'll say say 25. We'll stretch out a little bit I wanted who you took, which was Kyle Tucker. Yeah. Like, that's who I really was hoping we get, but obviously he didn't get there. Um, Where do you put uh, Lewis Robert in that group, too? Because I actually had all three of them there. Tucker, Robert. Uh, Mullins is my little trio there. I mean, I've got Robert third out of that trio. Okay, okay. Um, well, let's, I get, like let's Robert, get back to Mullins. We've d- we've discussed him. Mm-hmm. We've discussed him. So just give us why you took him in the first. Obviously, that was your only chance to get him. It is my only chance to get him. Picks. I want a guy who has. But I thought you were gonna not take him and see what you, you see. You're already 
<laughs> you're already going uh, against I, what you said for 22 that you said you weren't going to take them so you could see where people go. You said you were going to. I cut did that league. in the mock draft. You we said did. you were going to cut your leagues down, and you're already in 48. I made a bet. <laughs> I know. I made. I made a bet this evening with Rob Silver. Just pay him about whatever that how is. Many just pay leagues him. I would be. Yeah, in. just pay him. Is just Rob pay him. Here? Save the time. Not and yet. just Oh, my, my wife thinks we made another bet. We haven't shook sh- on that bet. Save yet, the so. time and just pay him. Um, but 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 let's get uh, before we get Jason's thoughts because we, he hasn't talked about Cedric Mullins mm-hmm. on the pod as extensively as we have. I, I want to know like an uh, an expected line from because you uh, believe in the regression that there'll be some absolutely. off of a thirty thirty god year. But where does that land? I think it lands somewhere you know high teens, low twenties homers. I think thirty stolen bases is totally fair. Oh, Cardi's thrown up. Hang on. Get him a bucket. He's thrown up. He hates every bit of this. And I think anywhere between like a 265 to 280 batting average. So, of course, there's going to be regression. He's not going 30-30 again. If we thought he was going to go 30-30 again, he'd be the number one pick in fantasy. Or like a top five. Or pretty damn close to it, right? So, like right now you're getting him often in the second round. I think that's fine. If you want to fade that because the track record isn't long or uh, apparent, I wasn't at the panel this morning um, in which uh, he this didn't was, defend your honor, by the way. No. He was on the panel. And he that's did totally fine. I looked around the room, didn't see you, and I'm like, this is what you get. Uh, you know what? <laughs> some, of, some of us were up till four o'clock in the morning so winning poker. Oh, well, I wasn't um, winning. Uh, yeah, I was winning at poker. Uh, and so uh, I, I decided to sleep in a little bit. Um, but yeah, of course, there's going to be some regression. We don't expect him to do a duplicate it but i don't Does think the there's jonathan gonna... vr like come up for you at all when you think about no this? because vr had like strikeout issues and uh defensive issues moans is a really yeah good that defender. actually curbed like that made him a playing time risk that, yeah, that is that fair there the, didn't give him the opportunity to break out of those slums he's on a mullins is on a really really bad team in the orioles so they're gonna lead him off he's gonna play every day at worst yeah, maybe things crater a little bit, and he's a 10-homer guy, but it's still coming with 30 stolen bases. Well, that would be the key, obviously, because I think that's one of the things, and Derek didn't say it, I don't think, in respect to Cedric, but he did talk about this, about how uncertain stolen base totals are year to year, and I think uh, I think we don't have a good enough handle on that in the fantasy community. We see 15, 20, uh, 18, 22, and we're like, well, we're guaranteed to get that. And then a guy goes for eight, and it's like, what happened? And there's Absolutely. so many different mm-hmm. things that can happen. One nagging injury that gives them a yellow or red light, uh, their manager bringing them back, they just deciding they don't want to do it. That's what makes them tough. Cedric Mullins does look like somebody who's going to run, though. So I understand why. I knew you were going to do it with one of your two picks, so you made him the first-round pick. Jason, where do you come out on said? I mean, you, you chimed in a bit on the panel, but wh- where do you where do you register uh, Mullins as far as a uh, early pick this year? I mean, he goes in that group of, of guys that I like that, that are going to play as much as possible for teams that aren't going anywhere. That's always going to be in this corner. So he has that chance to continue to compile the numbers. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, Baltimore can score runs, and, and we saw the fact, and, and produced runs, we saw the fact that Mullins scored 91. Yeah. Scored 91 runs, but he only drove in he 59. He drove in 11. Oh, I thought <laughs> yeah, it was 11. Yeah, it was close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had 40 in September. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was poor, and that's where you run the risk. Well, if he's not driving himself in, so let's say he does go to 18 to 20, so that's going to take that RBI total down. And then if stolen bases stickiness, he gets 25 25 steals, then he gets like 50, 
55 RBIs because that lineup's not going to really change much. Yeah. They're adding a rookie catcher possibly to we'll the bottom about, of it. We'll talk about him uh, momentarily. And, and so then where, then where are you at when the average comes down? So there's a high risk profile taking him where you did. But I've always told you that. I was wrong last year. Maybe I'll be wrong again. <laughs> we'll see. Um, let's get into a few picks from, from both of our drafts that we liked. After the 10th round, uh, You got on the panel that you were on, there was some great talk, and I totally agree with this, uh, that we talked too much about the first two rounds. I mean, those are, those are beaten to death. Uh, that 30-player pool there is just overanalyzed when you really only have a chance at a couple depending on where you pick it's really you win in the middle and end of your draft and of course uh the phil so run with his main event highlighted that because of all the value he got in like the round 17 to 23 mm-hmm. so we're gonna take a little bit more focus deeper talk about some guys you got past the 10th round that you like and let's stick with said's teammate so you purposely rostered two orioles i did okay Stack. so tell us about your first guy anthony santander in the 17th uh, Santander was a guy that I think a lot of people in the industry really liked coming in to mm-hmm. 2021, and he just you know injuries, right? Like yeah, just, they ate him up. He, he lost a lot of time, but he came back at the end of the season and finished strong, and I think he's going to be a guy who is undervalued coming into 2021. And uh, I had a pretty strong outfield already. Uh, he fit into it nicely, uh, and then I, you know, kind of paired him with the next guy, who's uh, Ramon Laureano, because they needed speed. But yeah, you went 17, 18 yeah. back to back there, so yeah, you can kind of bunch them together. So and yeah, Laureano, I needed speed bad because Mons was kind of like one of my few stolen base guys, mm-hmm. uh, and so Laureano, I know he suspended probably for I think a few games or maybe a week or something like that into the start of the season. But hopefully he's healthy. You know, he just uh, had off-season hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's back to 100% after sitting out half a season. Uh, and he can be a stolen base guy. So, yeah, I mean, those when were he had that what, like, or recurring shin splints, well, that kind of made it gave him periods where he could mm-hmm. run when they were not killing him, and then he would stop yeah. cold for like a month at a time. And so, hopefully, time off. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, you don't want him to be time off for PDs because he gets another <laughs> PD suspension. He's done for a long time. Yes, a uh, season next yeah, time. Yeah, so you know, hopefully, that doesn't come back to bite me. But I mean, a ton of upside there. A guy who can you know steal twenty plus bags for me that late and man is speed hard to get oh my god after like the first 12 or 13 rounds it, so that was really ugly. it dries up and it becomes this empty speed where you get like uh you know bad batting average bad counting and oh i got 12 stolen bases that was amazing mm-hmm. uh let's start with santander jason he had a rough season he, he was injured a lot only played 110 games down to a 92 wrc plus carried exclusively by his power because he hit 241 with a 286 obp uh the strikeouts went up the walks were never particularly good so going from six to five percent we'll call that neutral 18 homers still in those 110 games so that power was still there we love a summer in baltimore are you in on the buyback of santander 17th round is where he got him i think that's where he's going to live yeah i mean he almost drove in as many runs as mullins did in 200 fewer <laughs> That's <laughs> a good pairing right there. Yeah. Right? So that's what I mean. He had 50. He'll I, drive I like him as a hitter, but it gets back into like, I, I think he's a better baseball player than a fantasy baseball player. I mean, he does, doesn't really draw a lot of walks. Uh, the strikeouts have been up and down. Even in his best year, he's hit 260. That's been his, that's been his peak. Uh, so I could see him, if you were looking for somebody who possibly has 25-plus home runs out of nowhere for the first time, him. Uh, yeah, his yeah. career high is 20 uh, because he's going to have plenty of opportunities in a really good division with ballparks that'll, that'll uh, help him in that regard. But you know, that, is what he, that is what he is. He's not going to run. The batting no. average is what it is, so you have to have the power breakout. But, you know, uh, on that topic, though, because you mentioned Phil's team, something I wanted to ask you two, mm-hmm. um, 
how much how much do you think those older safe or safe air quotes veteran players are not going to be pushed up because the marketplace just saw one guy win a lot of money harvesting th- those types of players in the end game i think it'll be confined a bit to the nfbc community because obviously that's where he did it i still think people the 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 overall fantasy community will be will remain scared of age like they won't take the Yuli Gurriel the way he did and and saw him as somebody to target uh or maybe even somebody like we all talk about buying low we talk a big game but buying low is like actually going out and buying Brian Reynolds after 2020 uh when it looks really bleak but really he was kind of when you look back, like he was a pretty easy regression candidate back up to the mean. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be an uptick, but I still think when it comes to the older ones, guys whose age start with a three, people will still be gun shy. Yeah, Jason, I'm, I'm, I'm trying Justin. to find where Joey Votto went in the draft, but he went super late. Like he still went in like the 19th. He, I want to say in the best ball room, he was 14th, 15th. Yeah, well, that's, that's not too bad considering that's a uh, 10 or 12 team. First base, 12, by the way. 12 team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think people will say they want to take the older guys or the more proven, but they always tend to lead towards IOPS again. I mean, nobody like said, "Ooh, Joey Votto, that was a good pick." But as soon as Bobby Witt Jr. went and off Torkelson. the board, the entire Torkelson, the entire room went <laughs> effing crazy, right? So, yeah, I, hey, you guys were making a bunch of noise, disrupting ours. Yeah, we're okay with that. Yeah, we we had no yeah. problem with that. Uh, I drafted had... Eric Haas. Where's my Tigers guy? Yeah, he's yeah. here. We got him. <laughs> I'm Every here. time a tiger was drafted, they, it was the a rousing round of applause, and I wasn't even leading. Yeah, it it no. was awesome. Um, uh, no, I, I think that people are still going to want to go with the sexy, high upside rookie or young guy uh, over you know over the guys who are old and or considered old and boring, and because that's always the way people want to go. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I, again, I think there's a lot of talk about buying low, but. People only want to buy low when there's glaring, like red arrows pointing at things in the in the profile that say this is definitely going to change. That's not really buying low as much as it is to like buy in on a track record that's three, four years deep, and you're just buying because he's done it before and he had a tough year the year before. Let's talk Oriano real quick. I think he's going to be somebody that you're getting him in the 18th round is going to be an outlier on the low end. I think mm-hmm. he'll only go up as the draft season goes. Where will you be comfortable drafting him, Jason? Uh, I'd like to be a little aggressive on him because I do like, what, especially what we saw last year before uh, before he wasn't allowed to play anymore. I mean, yeah, he put uh, up a double-double, 14 homers, 12 steals, and 88 games. I mean, he was doing what Marte finished the season doing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Loreano did up it, the and it's like, hey, go ahead. Uh, and that's really what we could have seen uh, from Loriano because they certainly were allowing him to to do that, and I would like to see him do that over the course of a full season if he could stay on the field to do it. Yeah. Uh, but he's one of those guys where you know I mentioned this morning because you weren't even in the room at the point when we started talking about Tyler O'Neill and certain oh, players yeah. give me blind spots, uh, in the, the big strikeout guys, but guys with injuries like once they're injured, always injured because kind of like that's my life story. Uh, but I wanted to I I can't just term knows at a skill set for a guy that's done what he's done in different pieces like this and he's not even 27 years old I mean Loriano feels older than he is but he's yeah not. that's the thing and that, that's why I think people are going to see 27 year old with speed he's only going to go up you really stole him there in the 18th round that was a great pick I think the Santander one is fine um you're not paying a premium uh, you don't Loriano need to was, was definitely my favorite of the two picks and I think if you're in early drafts if you're like me and you like the December drafts and the November drafts Loriano is a guy that people are going to forget about. Yep. They're just going to forget about it because his stats, when people print out the stats from last year, you know, ha- having only played 88 games, they're not going to pop. The volume will he be down there. He didn't have any 
uh, specific category in which he extremely excelled, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the field that you're looking at mm-hmm. either. So if people sort by stolen bases, he's not going to be at the top. If people sort by home runs, he's not going to be at the top. Uh, and, yeah, I think people are just going to forget about him. He'll he'll go up, and I'll pro- once he goes up too far, I'll probably be out. Yeah, it, it'll depend. And it'll be like a spring thing, you know. Uh, guys can show out in spring and really – maybe if he has a bad spring, he'll stay low mm-hmm. and, and, and remain a bargain. But I think Loriano is definitely someone to watch. Getting late speed that has something else tied to it, in his case power, is very difficult. So even if he's, I don't know, 13th round, I feel like I would be paying that. Yeah, I think 13th round seems good. I just think – I mean, speed got really ugly. Yeah. Like, I was really surprised, like, how quickly it got really, really ugly. That's what makes the Loriano pick so good. He yeah. shouldn't have been there. So, great Absolutely. pick there. Uh, blind squirrel finds an acorn. You know how they say. You know. Uh, so, a couple of mine that I liked. This one will go quick because I've been never shutting up about this guy for a while. Luke Voigt in the 17th. Another guy that I think people forgot. Um, I know it was a tumultuous season. I know the injuries concerns are there, but you guys know my, my saying about like double counting things. You can't double count that against him because that's in the price. Mm-hmm. If he didn't have those injury issues, he wouldn't be a 17th rounder. Rizzo's not going to be there. He's a free agent, right? Yep. Yeah. So Rizzo's a free agent. I think he'll be their first baseman. I'm not too worried about it. I think that's about 25 homers. Even though he's never hit 25, he hit 22 in 56 games last year, 21 in 118 the year before. That speaks to the injuries. He's 31. There is risk, but I still love Luke Voigt. Jason, start with you. Uh, how do you feel about Luke Voigt? And do you believe that he can even stay healthy at this point? I hate Luke Voigt because of the team he's on. Uh, uh, but no, in, all, in all seriousness, though, you know, the, when you think of Luke Voigt, you think of, oh, yeah, if he wasn't a Yankee, he wouldn't, do his, he wouldn't hit as well. But you look at his numbers, it doesn't matter where he hits. Yeah. Uh, no, he's and got that's the thing power. about him. So it's like I, I want to love Luke Voigt, but I can't because of the team he plays on. But if, if he was on a different team, I would be uh, all in because he's a really good hitter. It's just his, you know, the body has, uh, has hurt him, especially yeah. the foot. I mean, that foot was such a problem. Yet even on one foot, he was still punishing baseballs uh, when you can get there. So uh, you know, I, I like him quite a bit. I just I don't like him 19 games a year. Yeah, and that and that's the problem. But but again, 17th round, I'm kind of covered there. Are you buying back in on Luke Voigt, Justin? If he's in the 17th round, I am. I mean, Where, where's your cutoff? 14th? Would you take him? I mean, I think 14th. I might entertain. It depends on who else. Obviously, still on sure. board. Like CJ Cron went later in this draft than I expected him. Yeah, to. especially now he's still locked. Yeah, in Yeah, now Colorado. that he's locked into Colorado and stuff, and we know he's old, so they're gonna play him over a younger guy. <laughs> for sure, uh, he's locked in for buck sixty-two. Yeah, now. exactly. So, uh, but yeah, if he's going that late, I think I'm okay. I just I don't trust him to stay healthy. I don't know that he can stay healthy. Yeah, I just, I, I'm not sure either. And but, with uh, other it, guys on this on that Yankees team that need to DH, they can't protect him there full time. That's fair. That's what he needs. He needs to just be protected as a DH full time. That's fair. But so does Stanton, like you're saying, exactly. and, and maybe even Judge to get some mm-hmm. off days. Okay, so that that's Boyd again. We talk about him a lot. I'm, I'm obsessed with him, so I, I was gonna go ahead and take him there. Joe Ryan's the one I really want to get into. An 11th round pick. Um, Pitching opened up, as it often does in these drafts specifically, because they're so early that, uh, you know, after the kind of the first obvious, say, 2025 guys, people are just picking their guys and really going for it because uh, we're kind of setting the market a bit. I know there's been a few drafts out there in the community, but, but you know, there is no real ADP to go off of. So I took Joe Ryan in the 11th. You know, it's kind of a big, uh, a big pick for somebody with 27 major league innings, but he was so good 
And I think his foundation of, of command and control with the swing and miss fastball that is built off deception. He, he throws 91. It's not overpowering, but it jumps on people. It's one of those that you look at these stat profile and you're like, what's going on? And then you watch him and you kind of see it instantly. You understand why he's able to dominate folks. Do I expect he'll put up these same stats of a 168 average against 30% strikeout rate? No, but uh, I like that even with his 405 ERA, he had a 342 Sierra and a .79 whip. I like a lot of what Joe Ryan can do. He's going to be 26 next year. There's no real reason to baby his innings count. I think he can get a buck 50 plus. And uh, like I said, I, I love the arm even in Minnesota. So I went with Joe Ryan in the 11th. How did that sit with you, Justin, when I took him? I'm a little worried about your neck and whether planting the flag that hard into the ground on a guy like Joe Ryan in the 11th is going to really like do well, long-term damage. Because I already have you. issues. Yeah, and I appreciate yeah, you looking yeah. out and, for and, me. Yeah. You know, you, like we <laughs> said flag before, was heavy too. you're a skinnier guy, exactly. right? You're built like a stop sign. Correct. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I like Joe Ryan. Oh I like him a lot. I don't like him that much. Um, I do. Especially with how deep starting pitching feels. And I say feels because I think we always say, or we often say, oh, starting pitching is really deep. And I think I've said it a bunch already. And then we get to the end of the season, and you're like, oh, man, I had like eight starting pitchers at the IL this year. Well, that's and just you because you drafted yeah, four that, of them on the what, IL. Yeah, but um, yeah, starting pitching, man, it feels really, really deep coming into these drafts. Uh, and we'll talk about that, I think, here in a minute. And so I didn't love it in the 11th. I like Joe Ryan a lot. I think maybe I, you know, sometimes I look at things in, in like pairings, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I overpaid for him, but I think I made that all back when I got Aaron Savale like uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, in the 16th round. Yeah. yeah. So I feel I, like you can almost flip you, those. You could have flipped those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I really like, let's go to the Rays guy. That's where Joe mm -hmm. Ryan comes from. Maybe I get some support there. What do you think of Joe Ryan for a full year next year? It really bugged me when the Rays had to trade this guy for Nelson Cruz. And understand, I, I have wanted Nelson Cruz on the Rays for him. 14 seasons. Uh, and it really bugged me when they traded Joe Ryan uh, for Andrew Strotman uh, Strat and or Drew Strotman, yeah. Um, yeah, with, with Joe Ryan, let's let's frame it. This He was, during last year's peak of draft season, he was the third, uh, 303rd pitcher off the board, according to the notes I have here. 303rd pitcher off the board, and now he's going in the 11th round? Mm -hmm. I mean, I did that. I don't know no. if he's going there, like, consistently. Well, in the frame it also, he led the minor leagues in strikeout rate in 2019. We're not talking about a guy who's never done this. Uh, your strikeout minus walk rate was also leading the minor leagues. And he does it throwing a fastball 65 to 70% of the time because of the carry he gets on his fastball mm -hmm. and his delivery they call it the invisible because of how it just kind of comes out of his uh, comes out of his uh, arm slot uh like that played water at stanislaw <laughs> college in california yeah chris blessing's telling us joe ryan played water polo which helps give him this uh this deception because yeah like i said it's not it's 91 it's not overpowering yeah. but he's had these insane strikeout to walk right and you watch him and i bring it up there like colin poche came up in this capacity but colin poche came up as a reliever mm -hmm. um, the same type of thing he was 91 93 but with with extreme extension and carry on the fastball you saw so many guys swinging underneath it popping it up popping it back and and he went to the uh Tommy John table uh but Joe Ryan I mean like the only reason why he didn't pitch for the Rays this year is because he was pitching in the Olympics uh, yep. he went over to the Olympics then he got was part of the trade and then it took his time to get back into the country and get everything so he could pitch for Minnesota but uh, I believe he's got a, a bright future uh with what he has because the league has a tough time picking him up and we saw it in the five starts that he made now we'll see how 
you know how that goes a second time through because we don't have that. Uh, but he's made a career out of making guys miss bats. Yeah, and that, that's what I really liked was Joe Ryan's ability to miss bats while still commanding the zone. Uh, you know, a little bit of a home run issue in that in those 26 innings, which pushed pushed the ERA up. But I still really like him. Those are solo shots when you don't walk anybody. I will say I got super sniped on Blake Snell. He went two picks before. That's yeah. who I had circled. I think the entire room kind of like groaned when Blake Snell went as late as he did. Yeah, because so. we knew that that was a quality pick that mm -hmm. was made there, and it was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have let him go that far. I'm looking at some of the others that were taken around him. Uh, looks like, uh, let's see, I will say, Carrasco. I think you took Austin Meadows the next round, and I love that pick as well. I right? did. Yeah. It did, even though uh, Bubba disliked it a lot. Why would Bubba dislike that? He has a small brain. Oh, okay. It's okay, I, Bubba's a pretty smart guy. I don't know. After based sure? on the Austin Meadows stuff, I'm going to okay. say no. No, I love Bubba, but he did hate the pick. He, he thought Austin Meadows was pure garbage, and I was like, mm, I don't know. I, 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 I got to be honest, I thought he had had a little bit better season. Uh, with the triple slash for mm -hmm. Meadows than it was, but the the 27 and 106 in a in a down year for your triple slash, I don't know where you at on Meadows. I guess since uh, you're the Rays guy, you still watch doesn't him. play every day. That's kind of the weird thing. As much That's the hard and some, of that, some of that though. they save legs. I mean, twelfth round is fine, but uh, you know they he still they still don't let him play every day. Yeah, and it's, it's really kind sometimes of against sometimes. righties too. Yeah, like he is not just a strict platoon for him. So that well, that's that part why I went with Gallo instead of him, just because I know I feel like Gallo's going to play every day. But yeah, uh, I, I would say to so his too. detriment though. Yeah, but that's okay. I just need power. Well, he he will definitely give you that. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's a little taste of our draft there. Uh, there are some pictures of the draft board out there, but it was really hard to get mm -hmm. a crisp picture off the projector. So we'll talk more about it as soon as they upload into NFBC. Yeah. we can take like a good actual good. We'll deep dive on and, it yeah. and 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 get more mm -hmm. into it. Any final takeaways from you before we get into some of the best ball that Justin or that Jason saw? Any other takeaways from you on trends, player strategy, anything in so that draft? I was part of the NFBC panel, and we were talking about strategy and. One of the final comments I made was uh, we we're talking about like what strategy you should use in an NFBC league, and I said that you should find a strategy that works for you, right? Because yep. there are certain things, there are certain strategies that work well for some people and not well for others. And I used the example of you know our, our buddy Toby, uh, uh, Bat Flip Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, he loves pocket aces, but that pocket aces wouldn't necessarily work with the way I draft. After doing this draft, I want to do pocket aces. <laughs> he went because, for it. He did pocket aces, well, right? It's not necessarily because of what he did. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm just saying he did stick to his brand. Like how the pitching fall or fell. Like, like I felt like really good about getting like some pitchers in the 16th round and the 17th rounds and things like that. Uh, and so, like, I feel like I. Could, but I really felt like hitting falls off in a lot of different positions. Like all of a sudden, mm -hmm. in those middle rounds, where I was like, "Oh, I don't really want to take these hitters anymore. I'd rather now go back to pitching." But I already loaded up on kind of middle round pitching, so I think I may actually use Toby's, you know, strategy a little bit more this year than I expected after doing that first draft. Will you go with the pocket deuces that he followed up with? So he went Cole Wheeler mm -hmm. and then Sal Perez, JT Romuto. Those are his deuces. He was going for a full house. I told him to take a third catcher, but he was a coward and he wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, well, um, he should have. He should have taken the third catcher because I ended up taking the third catcher off the board uh, in Will Smith. Correct. Um, I don't know that I would do – Two catchers. Well, because he's kind of known for Real Muto too. So when he took Sal Perez first, everyone's like, "Oh, I was you've like, abandoned oh, cheating your boy. on your boyfriend." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But then he uh, took him right after then that. Then he went back and like everybody was like, what the hell is Toby doing? Uh, Probably winning, is, let's is be Toby honest. Here? He's a stud. I don't think Toby's here because uh, I'd love to hear him. I mean, we can't sort out from all of I think like yeah. 1,200 people now, yeah. so it's yeah. way too many. I'm I sure I saw him in the 28th row, but that was not him. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, yeah. You got good yeah. vision, though. I'm sure I'm sure he'll listen to this and, and, and uh, text me or DM me and, uh, and explain himself a little bit. I don't think I could take two catchers as my first two hitters. I mean, did you see the catching pool, though? It is disastrous. It is, but it isn't, though. Like, there are guys I like. And, well, there's and, a glob of all same, but they're, they're a glob. substantial cut below. We said Anybody that coming good. into 2021, and it was accurate. And then guys like Buster Posey broke out. Guys emerged. Like it. Yeah, it but happens. then other guys. Well, yeah. I mean, Mike you know, Zanino. Yeah, Mike Zanino was a monster this year. Have fun rostering that. Average. You know. Uh, anyway, okay. So that you're you're more open to pocket aces now. Yes, I do. And you like don't get, want the 15th pick. I absolutely do not want. The okay. 15th. I, I want to. I think I want to pick in the middle. I want to pick in the middle again. I think this is a lot like. Uh, 2021 in which i said like there was a top eight top eight or nine you know that really seemed all about the same uh and it didn't matter which one i got so give me pick eight hopefully i land trey turner you know this year <laughs> it won't be trey turner he He's, went one he, overall he went first overall to dave mcdonald which uh it was a good pick a great pick um though dave took like 40 minutes per pick which i don't know if that is a <laughs> that's high not even an exaggeration <laughs> Um, we're like, I, you know, this, like, you know, it, it, we, we care about this, but like mm-hmm. not that much pick up the pace. Yeah. I actually fell asleep during one of his turn picks and woke up refreshed and he still had not picked. Um, I don't think he's made his last pick yet. I think he's still, no, he's still on the on clock. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now like he will be the quickest slow drafter. Yeah. When you get the email, he'll be the guy to like yeah. two it, second picks. It, it, oh no. He'll be the first guy to complain about the slow draft portion nice. of it. I'm sure. So, uh, but no, yeah, um, I can't remember what I was talking about. No, no, about. it's, it's all right. Just, it's all right. I just Jason, I like giving Dave shit. I know you came in because uh, you finished the best ball earlier than ours. You took a look, quick look at the board. You were talking. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely true. Uh, you see anything from our board that, that uh, what was a takeaway for you on the draft and hole before we get into best ball? I actually walked to the board, looked, and it was like, oh, there's Justin's team. That was literally <laughs> the first thing mm-hmm. I did. Because you saw the worst one. It's like, that team's terrible. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's terribly good. No, you saw you saw said, and you absolutely knew. I honestly did not look at anything else. I walked in, saw that, made a joke, and left. Sorry. So, <laughs> oh, so part of uh, why I was roasting you and why I said you should pay Rob the bet because mm-hmm. you're going to lose uh, is you talked about how, you know, I got to cut my leagues. I got to cut my management. Why weren't you in the best ball draft? You could have uh, mo- done both at the same time. Yeah, mostly because – Toby started talking a lot of shit when I said I wasn't going to do the draft. Ooh, and so I was going to get in the league with him. You got baited. Uh, and because and, and it was a really fun group. Uh, no, it was a great of, group. Of guys. It, w- it, it was a really great was. group. But let's had talk- I had I known, and there were there was only like three people who had signed up for the best ball when I signed up for the drafted hold. You got me in the draft. Um, hold, yeah, and you got the last spot in that. Uh, if I had known some of the people in in the best ball were going to be in it, like Shelly and Jenny, I probably would have done the best ball. Uh, and so. They picked next to one another too. Oh, did they? Yeah, I saw Shelly's team. Shelly's team is pretty damn good. I haven't seen oh, Jenny's team. Bubba? Oh. We're talking about you. Yeah, All we... nice stuff. Don't ask anybody yeah. about it. It don't, was great. Don't, don't go back and listen to <laughs> Paul. Yeah. No, no, no. I said I love you. Yeah, um, <laughs> in his own way. So you were running. The, you were helping run the best ball. Yeah, talking a lot about best ball this week. What were some of the things that you were were noticing in that draft and how 
different things were going with picks, players, and strategies and whatnot? As, first of all, I've never even done best ball. I know I, I just literally said, hey, if you guys want me to help run a draft, let me know. And they put me in best ball. Uh, so I knew nothing about it. So I didn't really know how to judge like what's what's happening mm -hmm. uh, there. So I just was like, who got drafted, who didn't? Uh, it is a little weird trying to do a draft when you have no ability to control F a piece of paper. You know, yeah, we had a thing fun. up on the board, and we had some issues of where people were like nominating people that had been taken seven rounds earlier. But you know, it happens because you have no way of uh, of marking that stuff down. But uh, I just thought it was like I said, the Shelly and Jenny were sitting next to one another, and at one time Jenny got sniped on both ends of it. Oh. Uh, and like, like, oh no, that's a guy I was gonna take. Then she take this, and then Shelly would take somebody, and yeah, she's she was getting it in both directions, and it was annoying her. But you know, overall, it was just like know your scoring system because a couple of folks didn't know. I didn't know uh, the, what the scoring system was. We uh, say this all the time, and people still don't know their rules. I really know what it because yeah. it, it alters what's what's happening with uh, who was being taken uh, with it. But overall, I thought like like Wander Franco in your room went in the second round mm -hmm. yeah and i know that got a friend of mine that did that and i'll talk to him on the airplane on the flight home uh, <laughs> but like in in best ball he went seventh eighth rounds like it was a disparity Ooh. in some of those things conversely like adley rutchman went in the sixth round of ours and i don't he think didn't he didn't go in yours he didn't go in the first 23 rounds did he so no, he did oh he go. did yeah oh. he did go okay so he went but i don't think he went in the sixth round he didn't no go no not that so high. that like We'll have to see how it all, you know, how it all shakes out. But really, honest, know your rules, uh, so you know where things are going. Yeah. Uh, with it, but I also, I also now want to play best ball. After reading through it, I was like, you know what, I want to get in best ball league. So when one opens up, I've got some um, leftover in my NFBC wallet, and I'll be signing up. Rush, Rushman went in the fifteenth round in our draft. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to play some more best ball. I had a lot of fun in Raz Slam. And it is it's it's a different game too. And it's, where'd it's, you finish in Razzlam? Second overall. Thank you. Second I appreciate overall. that. You That's set that up. Good. I spike it. Yeah. I uh, appreciate that. So yeah, I the best ball draft. Enough tonight. Might as well give you something. <laughs> That's nice. That you gotta have a little sugar with yeah. all the hate. Um, but yeah, best ball is a lot of fun. I'm gonna play more this year too. You should. So you're not managing. 50 waivers well i can only Sunday. play in 17 leagues now because that's the bad that was bringing it down yeah that's bringing it down that was like i'm streamlining so yeah that's that's stream 17 this is now becoming an intervention let's talk yes <laughs> just us don't worry about mm -hmm. the 1700 people justin now. we're wow. here no. because we love you yes yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we care about you. Uh, Your behaviors no. affected me in the following. Ways. Yeah, <laughs> you need more best balls, though. I think it, I think it'd be perfect for you. Uh, let's talk prospects. That's one of the main reasons we come out here is to see the prospects at the AFL, and uh, we just learn from people, folks like Chris Blessing, Kimball Crossley, other folks here, uh, Eric Long and Hangin, uh, just plenty of other prospect people that that enjoy watching different prospects play. Learned about a lot of guys. Jason, let's start with you. A player you learned more about and became more interested in the joey weimer the uh weimer. and i saw him weimer and i say that because i got to see him uh, i went to me too by the way I, this was a great pick of yours but i'm like i'm in on this guy when they were talking about him i got to see him play in loy canapolis this year uh because the canapolis intimidator not intimidators cannonballers now uh they the milwaukee team came through and i forgot where milwaukee's low a southeast Carolina. thank you i forgot <laughs> the Mudcats. that's right in zebulon so they came through, and I saw him, and I was like, that's Corey Snyder's illegitimate son. Oh, my God. Uh, that's, what a reference. The hair, or he was Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. I mean, either way, the hair oh, and everything. But awesome. he's just – he looked like the most physically imposing guy on the field, yep. bar none, 
Uh, he was easily like everybody else kind of looks like kids. He already looks like a man. Mm-hmm. And and uh, one of one of the things they talked about was uh, when they were talking about him the freak factor. Yeah, mm-hmm. somebody who kind of stands out and really is imposing. He hit 14 homers in 34 games at High A, 13 more in 75 games at A ball. Had an incredible season across those two levels. Again, this is Joey Weimer from the Milwaukee Brewers system. He's going to be 23 next year. And then tonight he hit like a 440 tank to the opposite field that got stuck in the berm. <laughs> and then he, then he took a, a fastball in the shoulders in the very next, very next. They didn't want, they didn't want to get got again by the freak. <laughs> yes, uh, it was just fun to see him again out here and hear, you know, validation of what I saw back during the minor league season. Uh, so it was, it was cool to really, you know, see him again and see him in live action here and then hit that tank stuck in the grass. Yeah, keep, keep that name in mind because I know it, I said he peaked at high A, but he'll be 23 next year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he continues to hit like this, if maybe he found himself on the cusp of a call-up. And again, that's Joey Weimer, W-E-I-M-E-R. Let's talk about yours, Justin. Guy that uh, you heard more about, maybe you had some conversations with folks. And he became more interested. This is a more high-profile guy, but somebody that hasn't quite made the fantasy uh, impact yet because he's only peaked at double-A. That's Brett Beatty from the Mets. Tell us about uh, what you learned about him. Yeah, Beatty is a guy that, you know, on dynasty lists and stuff, was coming in maybe like a, a fringe top 100 guy after he was drafted. And I think people uh, kind of had a meh view on what his long-term upside looked like. Uh, but Eric Loggenhan, man, he just – just loves this kid, mm-hmm. right? And I think he made him a top 15 prospects on the Fangraphs top 100. He's 14th overall. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, and I think you can still go and get him. You may have to pay up, but I think he's worth paying up But it's for. not quite that, like, everyone's yeah. coveting mm-hmm. him. You're paying this obscene premium. But, yeah, first-rounder, has pedigree. He's not going yep. to be cheap, Brett Beatty. But I do think you can still go out and get him. I agree because he's coming off a, a, a good, not great year. He had a, mm-hmm. he was high A and double A. He had a 145 WRC plus at, at high A. That's fantastic. Moved up to double A, put up a 118. Very respectable. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to like. They got an ETA of, of 2023 here, which makes sense. But I feel like it could be up next year. And the Mets. It kind of depends crap. on what the Mets are going to do. Something stupid. In terms of free agency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, obviously. I mean, but. Something remarkably dumb. So I can't wait to see the next organization mm-hmm. that he goes on uh, for some, you know, crusty veteran. And then we can root for him on that team. Maybe they want, like, Jonathan Scope from the Tigers. I, I would sign off on that trade. I, w- I, w- I would be open to them doing that. Poor Mets fans, man. They just they just never catch a break. Meet uh, the Mets. I mean, it, like the the whole Mets going to mess thing, I, w- I was at a point earlier this year, I was like, oh, that's getting a little tired. And then so many things happen, I'm like, no, actually, you know, keep saying it, because they just always shoot themselves in the feet somehow. It's truly unbelievable. Uh, but Brett Beatty, maybe he will pan out. Heriberto Hernandez was the guy that I was keyed in on, and he's a Ray, so I'm not just catering to to, to Jason here, but just hearing the, the prospect folks talk about him, I was like looking his numbers up, I was like, oh, Put a little star next to this guy because I'm my my strength is not in the uh, A ball mm-hmm. level, which is where he is. So I did not even know the name, but now I've got Heriberto Hernandez, uh, Herogod, I believe is what uh, one of the guys said that they call him, stud, uh, stud in the making here. Had a 125 at A ball this year in 73 games. Very young, 
only only going to be 22 next year, but someone to keep an eye out in the race system. As far as some more background, I would lean to, to Jason on that one because, like I said, I didn't know much. Everything I learned, I, w- I don't want to regurgitate. Do you have any original thoughts on Heriberto and what's his ETA for uh, Tampa Bay? He's 22, so like five years. They like the slow roast their prospects. Yeah, they do like to slow roast them. Uh, but it, the thing that was attractive when they made the acquisition for him was just the quality of his contact. Yeah, they got him from Texas. System, Correct. Right? They got him in Texas, uh, I believe, in the Nick Solak deal. He's part, no, the Na- no, no, Nathaniel, oh, the, uh, the Nathaniel low, low deal. Yeah, the low deal. Um, sorry, uh, but that was really. That was what they really liked in talking to a couple of people was just the quality of his contact. And then some of the Rangers folks I know were like, man, I did not want to give up that guy. They they really wanted, like, oh, I really like uh, Nate Lowe, but I did not want to give up Hernandez. Got to give so to I was get. like, cool, thanks. Yep. That, no, no, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by him. Definitely someone I'm going to keep an eye out for. Uh, Justin, you already mentioned your guy that uh, you learned more about and became less interested in. Mm-hmm. That was J.J. Bleday. Any other thoughts on him that you didn't get to earlier when we were talking about the Cameron Meisner, J.J. No, Bleday comps? I mean, I think we pretty much covered it, but I think, you know, often, and you mentioned this when we were talking about him, is like often we don't want to sell low on guys, and, and sometimes in Dynasty that's what we need to do. Yeah, because right? you can get lower. Yeah, you yeah, know, it, 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 it can, can get be, worse. It could get to a point where it's like Because he's still a first-round pick, and people yeah. were calling him a top 25 prospect in Dynasty you know, prior to the pandemic. And so they're going to be people that the name value still registers with. Agreed. And so they may give you more. And maybe it's you get a bunch of little pieces that have some high upside. But, you know, it seems like Lede does not have that high upside anymore. So go, you know, shelve him for something else. Yeah, just get a handful of lottery tickets, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Uh, Jason, the guy that you learned a bit more about that uh, that you've soured on a little more is actually in your own organization. That I've soured on? I don't know if I've really soured on him. Well, wait, then uh, I'm going to blame that on myself because I put the same heading on both things that more interested. So maybe that's That's why you put him there. That's why. Okay, so then we don't have to talk about him if you became more. Is there anybody you became less interested in after learning more about them? Not that I even have, but uh, hearing what we heard about Jeter Downs. uh, Oh, yeah. Really, like if I had him, I'd be like, cool, time to shop around that name. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, we don't get a lot of full agreement on stuff, but yeah. everybody was like, yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's another one of those guys that like coming into the pandemic, people were like, this is guy is a potential top 25 prospect and you should be well, getting traded for Mookie yeah, Betts and, too. And he, and he's going to be up soon, right? He's going to, no he's going to be able to contribute. And, and now they're saying he's probably not a regular and like, that's, that's a huge loss for people who invested a lot in dynasty. Uh, and again, name value, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, just because he probably doesn't have the same upset anymore, doesn't mean he doesn't have some name value that you can maybe flip him for something else. Yep. And and again, you can sell low, Mm -hmm. probably can get lower. So you might as well get out now if you agree with the assessments out there and you want to move on. Uh, Pedro Leon from the Houston Nationals was a guy for me that learning more hearing again, you, you, like you said, the universal agreement on the negativity about Leon uh, was enough for me to be like, okay, we got to move him down the board a bit. He had a rough season, double uh, A, he was fine. 117 WRC plus, but at 23, that's not very impressive. Uh, he walked to kind of save that line, only hitting 249, a little bit of pop 13 for 21 on the bases. That's terrible. Then went to triple A only 17 games. So I won't go crazy, but a 32 WRC plus. And again, the people I trust in that room talking prospects, so many negative things. Yeah, I would say the other piece of it is like a single scout could be any single scout, even the best one could be wrong. Yeah. But when you get consensus across everybody that also wants to contribute, then it's like, it's very rarely wrong when it's. It when should it's lead that you strider. down a conversation to go look at why they were like, uh, yeah. or somebody's like, 
you may look at some stats and be like, whatever. And then everybody's like, oh my God, I really love this guy. Go go look and see why why people have that kind yeah, of attitude. Yeah, don't just take it at face value and say, well, yeah. they, they didn't like him, I'm out. Figure out the why and see if you agree with it. And that's kind of what I where I was. I was looking through the profile, listening to what they're saying, and I'm like, yeah, I think I am going to move Pedro Leon down because I generally favor Houston prospects a bit. They do a good job, but uh, no, no thanks on Pedro Leon. Any other prospect-related takeaways uh, from the weekend? Jason, start with you. Now, just uh, with Curtis Mead, it was nice to hear what they had to say about Curtis Mead. Uh, when you look, when they were talking through, I, I forget. I think the first part of the conversation, I thought I was hearing, okay, this is Nick Solak uh, again, uh, or Jake Cronenworth. Both guys came we, through the race like system. That. Both guys were moved on uh, for forty roster crunch, and both guys have had value where they uh, in different. Uh, in different variety, obviously, but where they've gone. Uh, but then hearing that, hey, this guy looks like Evan Longoria at the plate. So it's like, okay, if you – like physically it looks like one thing and then has this hitting profile. And one of the, you try to picture where he could come through. And like for the last 10 years, and it started with Ben Zobris, then it was Sean Rodriguez, then it was Logan Forsythe, uh, currently Joey Wendell. It's like they get this type of guy that they plug into the role that gains multi-position eligibility and hits more than you think he will. And maybe that's Curtis Mead. Uh, as he gets there, I mean, he turns 21. Yes. Uh, next week, it's like two great. days after Paul turns 40. Uh, so so he, old. Uh, you don't have to frame so it like old. that. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. It is so, two but days he's, after he's my birthday. He's young, uh, but he had did very well in both levels of A ball. They even gave him a little bit of time in AAA, yeah. which was kind of a reward, saying you had a great season, you did what you needed to do in the uh, Australian league. Go to Durham. And, and it was a nothing nice sample, but he yeah. did go 6 for 14. Just to put a little sprinkle on top of his season, a nice 222 WRC plus in that tiny amount of time. That's Curtis Mead from the Rays organization. Any other prospect takeaways for you? It was interesting Justin. talking to some of the prospect guys, not necessarily about individual players, but about the challenges that 2020 made prospects yep. yeah. face and organizations face, but also the prospect guys themselves, yep. like, right? Trying to evaluate talent and having to rely on information, not being able to see guys during the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, I highly encourage you to go read guys like Eric Cross, go read guys like Chris Blessing, go read guys like Eric Lockenhagen, uh, because, man, they are really, really on top of it. They worked really, really hard in, uh, in 2021 to catch up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't speak enough uh, to how well their work has helped uh, bridge that gap because of because of the crazy year. We're still dealing with the after effects of that uh, at the minor league system and the major league system. We have a little bit of time left, and I know we can't get to all the questions because again, I think we're, we're touching two thousand about right now with all the people. If yeah, I'm counting just correctly, coming in. But if we can get a few questions, we can definitely do that. So does anybody have any questions for us? Start here with Asher. Uh, you seem very confident about Luke Boyd being the first baseman for the Yankees. Mm -hmm. I could see that, and I'd be okay with that because I think he'd get picked up, and then it would solidify the playing time again. And as I think Jason pointed out, he can hit anywhere. So that wouldn't be a grave concern for me. But, yeah, I, I, I think that's a scenario that could certainly happen, particularly with his injuries. And if they you know, assess the medicals and they say – He's just never going to stay healthy. Maybe that does happen. Um, or the, maybe, maybe they assess the rest of their team and go, we need to protect other guys. Well, and that's, that's a big problem with yeah. their current roster makeup is they're good players, but they don't fit together no. very well. And they really – that Yankees team really showed how you need a team that, that meshes well. And he's just part of the problem of the super slow, power-only, uh, double-play machine, clogging up the bases, strikeout guys. So, yeah, absolutely. It's and a great I think roster. That's, don't touch it. 
<laughs> Says but the race fan. But if you're getting him in the 17th round, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a worthy gamble. No, like a, absolutely. And that's why I still like it, but that's a fair call-out because it, it is nice that he plays in Yankee Stadium. But I do think the power would transfer anywhere, and I do think he'd be somebody that would be highly sought really after if, uh, if he did find himself non-tender. But good question. Anybody else? Nicholas, then Bubba. Nick? Yeah, um, I, long time, I, long time calling first-time listener. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I just, this is for you. Uh, you yes. know, you're going to have that first pick uh, later on. Is there someone that you're thinking of, and why is it Caleb Smith? Um, You know, because, you know, Caleb Smith and I go a long way back, and I feel like I owe him a little bit. No, of course it's not Caleb Smith. Um, You know, the beauty of having that first pick after it restarts is things are going to change, right? Things always change, and, uh, you know, there may end up being a closer because I only took one closer. My original plan for that draft was I wanted to take – two hitters in, you know, first two picks, and then rounds three and four, I wanted to take two elite closers. Well, Hayter and Hendricks both go in the beginning of the third round. Uh, and and then like, Gallegos went another elite one off yeah. the board. <laughs> and then a mediocre closer that we don't even know if he's a closer goes, you know, in the third round. So then round you were like, let me get a guy so, that doesn't have a team. That's a good idea. So it totally it made me change my strategy. Uh, and pitching – didn't really go in the in the first round very much. I got Scherzer sixteenth uh, overall. So yeah, uh, Cole um, was was at eleven. He was yeah the, yeah. Toby about had an aneurysm. Yeah, uh, because he got got Garrett Cole. At the pick first 11. pitcher was Otani, but that's that's not that's yeah. put that off to the side. Cole was the first one at eleven. We did not have a pitcher heavy early early part. So of the I draft. mean, you know, these drafts are fun because we've been so long without a draft. Um, but so much is going to change by the time we start that draft back up in January that I'm just hoping that there's going to be a glaring mistake. Oh, there will be. You know, there just sitting is. there waiting for me. Yep. Now, hopefully there's three because I, I picked yes. third. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like there to be three obvious great players there. Uh, great question. Bubba. Speaking of potentially glaring mistakes, I have a question for Jason. Um, nice. Oh, God. <laughs> we already talked about it. See, I like Jason's answer, actually, so I don't need to See, this is what happens when you don't show up I on regret time. Nothing, I regret nothing of what I said earlier now, okay? And you guys now see why. Maybe I've got some more people on my side. So, okay, go. go. That was you, perfect. You, yeah. You, no, you I said the, uh, the, the risk with Meadows is the, the fact that he um, still doesn't play every single day. Uh, and part of that is, you know, trying to manage players that play in Tropicana Field on the turf. It is all the players talk about how much of a grind it is. But I would say, you know, the issues that the team had this year, health-wise, they didn't have it with the position players because they do a really good job of getting those guys days off and, and staying away from the the matchups. You know, but we're also talking about a guy who's likely going to be traded here in the very short future, and maybe that playing time issue goes away if he goes to another organization where he's playing on grass. Um, Suck it, Baba. But but <laughs> the other piece, the other piece of it is too, is he loses he loses an at bat or two a week because of his defense. Like he yeah. gets pulled from games late because doesn't have a great arm, uh, doesn't cover a lot of ground, and has a lot of guys on the bench behind him that have both of those things. And he still can't so. hit lefties. Uh, I, yeah. I, I understand those issues. It was a 12th-round pick. It was a great pick, and that's okay, Bubba. You'll Thank see you, you'll, you'll see the light. Answer. You'll You're see welcome. the light. <laughs> Anybody else? Questions? Yes, in the back. Mike. What would you guys say was, for you two today, what was your, your favorite pick for yourself, and what was the pick that you wish that maybe you had? Oh, I can answer that for them, all of them and none of them. <laughs> <laughs> but Go ahead. 
My favorite pick that because we yeah we did the tenth round and beyond thing. My overall favorite pick, um, if it's not Gallegos, which was a brilliant pick, I would say you know. Kyle Gibson I, in the fourteenth. I good. know. Yeah. yeah. He, no, that was horrendous. No. Um, <laughs> I took Dylan Carlson in the tenth, and there was some there was some talk about him. On the pit, on the hitter panel, uh, when the Tyler O'Neill was brought up, they also brought up Bader and Carlson. I ended up with Bader and Carlson. I got Carlson in the tenth, uh, despite a lot of like positive talk about him, and I thought there might be some helium. When I saw him, there's somebody I loved coming into twenty um, or t- coming into twenty one. I felt like he had a perfectly capable season. I'm fully in still. So in the tenth round, I thought that that was nice. And if I can continue to get him in any sort of double digit round, I'll have him on virtually every team. Uh, for me, my favorite pick was Will Smith in the fifth. The catcher. The catcher, Will Smith, in the fifth. Uh, I mean, he was an absolute stud this year, and DH will likely finally come to the National League, right? Even though I said it would come all season last year. Um, <laughs> which means he'll get extra plate appearances. And, you know, one of the things I want to target probably with my catcher spots is NL guys that are going to get the extra plate appearances because they get to DH a little bit. Uh, and I just think he could easily be the number one catcher next year. As far as uh, critiquing a little bit on myself, I, you know, I need Joe Ryan to come through because my, uh, I, I got Bueller as my ace. I love that. But then it's McClanahan and, and Thor with Ryan and Savali. That, that's my top five Where are there. Where you your innings from? Um, I just named them uh, Walker, Bueller, McClanahan, Thor, Joe Reiner, and Savali. Two hundred apiece. Did that's I stutter? It's a, a thousand innings in the bag. No, that that's that's the issue, right? Um, obviously, you know we know what the Rays do with their pitchers. I think McClanahan will get the reins uh, at least loosened, if not taken off. Thor's obviously a gamble, but I love that he finished the season on the mound. I think that's so important. I don't care that there was one inning. I don't even care that the last outing was actually really bad. He's on the mound showing teams he's healthy. So I'm excited as long as the Mets don't resign him. Uh, but yeah, I would say I, I, I agree that I do have a little bit of an innings challenge. The dust will settle in January. My first pick will probably be a starter. Three of my first four probably will be, to be honest. But I did I do think I left myself a little light there. You actually set up um, tomorrow morning the first session we have uh that Ron's leading. We talk a little bit about do we need to start looking at how we adjust the way we handle pitchers. Uh, Absolutely, we do. That's just a tease because I got some data to share tomorrow that I'm not sharing now. But no, no, that's you good. Set it that's up good. nicely. Thank you. What about you? A critique of yourself? Um, and we don't have all night to get to all of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not so much like an individual player, but I definitely found myself really light on speed. Um, like I, I think I've mentioned this already, um, and so I, I think just the overall strategy was probably poor uh, in the beginning of this draft, and it made me reach for picks later I end up taking uh, uh, Victor Robles yeah. with my 23rd round selection and people are gonna be like oh it's 23rd round whatever right? I mean yeah that's a but pretty high upside I like I'm forcing myself to make that kind of pick because I didn't attack speed enough early on uh, and you know I got it with Cedric Mullins but then I didn't get it so I think just kind of the overall strategy of making sure I'm chipping at least chipping away at speed if not getting some guys I really feel comfortable they're going to get me you know 15 to 20 bags absolutely if i can participate in my own q a here um i took mondesi in the fifth and oh. obviously i thought it was okay because i took him but uh, mm-hmm. where do you guys come out jason mondesi oh, in the fifth i, got I torched I, on it well i mean i took him in al talent for an obp and that was awful but <laughs> when you when you take somebody like him and then the then he gets hurt because he will and he doesn't play september all season um 
you know, then your your steals you have to draft more steals than you really need to but compensate for what he doesn't he deliver. He still had 15 and 35 games though. I mean, he still actually contributed to the bottom line. I, listen, yes, I, right. I understand the risks. I'm just wondering, uh, is fifth round still too early for you then for Mondesi? Uh, it is because of all the risk associated with him. But if like if you're looking for somebody who's you draft in the fifth who could potentially perform as a first rounder, he's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, I wasn't going in like or I'm near gonna, the top at least. I'm going to well, take him. And, I, I mean, I, here's he the thing with in. the construction of your team is he isn't your only speed source. Mm-hmm. Like you've got other speed sources, so it's not like if he does get hurt again and he only gets you 15 stolen bases, mm-hmm. it's not really killing you. And that was the jump off. That's exactly why I brought him up with re- regards to what you were doing. I think that's a mistake a lot of us do make mm-hmm. with like a Cedric Mullins early. It's like, oh, I'm good on steals. It's like, well, you you, you don't need as many these days and you're, you've are you got a good, got a good foundation, but you have to stack or else you're kind of wasting mm-hmm. that, 30, yeah. that 30 steal guy. Great question, Mike. Anybody else? Yes, in the back. When I, when I did a fan track best ball where players don't have multi-position eligible mm-hmm. outfield dried up really quick. Yep. Did yep. you guys find that happening where players did have multi-position eligibility and it ended up being a 15-team league? Uh, did it dry up quick? I found that I liked a lot. I had my fifth outfielder quickly. Um, and it was, I, I was actually a little bit, and not that I thought it was robust. It's that I didn't want to get left holding the bag. So yeah, I think I did feel that way a bit. And we always talk about outfields deep because you see so many stars and you forget, obviously everyone needs five. They're going to pluck some for other positions. They're going to yep. put a bunch at utility. It's never really that deep. It can look that way at the end of the year, but a lot of guys come up, but we don't know those guys initially. So I think there is still a measure of uncertainty, and I thought there were obvious cliffs at virtually every position, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to get left out in the cold, so I made Bader my fifth outfielder. I went Tucker, Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Carlson, Austin Meadows, and Harrison Bader. And what round did you take Bader in? I took Bader in, that would have been the 13th. So you had your whole Well, and I remember, I mean, from 2021, like how – shallow outfield felt in yeah, season like in season when you had an injury in the outfield you were like oh god look what's on the waiver wire right now yep and so I, two of my first three picks were outfielders um but as the draft went on i didn't feel like it was that bad now in your case with the one you know position eligibility that a lot. you know on the best balls and fan tracks i think that does change a lot uh, and i think there would be a bigger drop off. i'd have to actually look and see who's eligible where and stuff but um it's definitely a position that could probably get pretty uncomfortable because there are so many guys in the middle ra- or the middle rounds of outfield that are eligible at second base, shortstop, first base. And you get so much production there that, you know, I think a lot of times we hear people, I didn't want to take my third outfielder in the seventh round. Why not? They produce. Yeah. The numbers are the numbers. And I, I understand wanting to have some flexibility, keep your util and your corner and your middle as late as you can. But if the if that's the best player – and well, the other piece is offset that if you don't want to take your third outfielder in the seventh round, then take one that's got eligibility elsewhere so you yeah. can move them around. Yeah, so exactly. If, it, you know, if there are bargains later, you can like, oh, I'm going to take you the second base, and I'll leave that guy at the yep. outfield. So, so that's I, the other way to offset that. That's a good and call. I keep referencing the NFBC panel because, it was one, it was a lot of fun, and two, I was on it. Uh, but one of the things that uh, you know people really talked about with like Phil's team and how he built his teams – uh, that were so successful is he built it from the back of his draft forward. And so what I would tell you to do is look at the later rounds and go, do I feel comfortable with these outfielders 
filling out my roster. And if you don't, then hey, you need to attack those outfielders early. Look at every position. Yeah, you can apply that across. The you positions. know, yeah, at, at you know, in back end of the draft, and like, am I going to really feel comfortable with Colton Wong at second base? If I'm not going to feel good with a guy like Colton Wong or those guys going around him, well, maybe I need to you know push up. Ozzy Albies or push up, uh, you know, Jose Altuve or, or guys like that. So. No doubt. No doubt. Great question. Anybody else? All right. I think that's going to wrap us up then. Thank you, everybody, All for right coming out. And uh, that'll be a wrap on First Pitch Arizona for the podcast room, I believe. Yes, I indeed. Final Absolutely. one. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks, everyone, for coming. Great job, guys. That'll do it. Good to do it live. <laughs> <laughs>